Welcome to the tech.eu podcast for myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week, we'll be covering the expansion of European Netflix rival, Wuaki.tv. They recently launched in Ireland and Austria. We'll be discussing Sony's acquisition of a Belgian startup, so that's image sensing startup SoftKinetic. And we'll also be discussing this week's Lady Pitch Night competition, which was organized by Girls in Tech and for which a Swedish startup won the competition. So starting off with uh, European Netflix rival, Wuaki.tv, it's a Rakuten-owned company based in Barcelona, already available in seven European markets. So we have Spain, France, Germany, UK, Italy, and obviously with the two new countries that they've launched, Ireland and Austria as well. They have a 2.5 million client base, although they clearly don't want to specify what a client actually means in a paying client, is it something else? But 60% of their user base is currently based in Spain. Yeah, it's quite interesting, actually, because uh, I mean, I'm not surprised that 60% are based in Spain, as it's kind of a Spanish company, or at least it's seen as a Spanish company. Although it's headquartered there, as you mentioned, Rakuten actually own the company, and they're Japanese. So it's quite interesting, really, because I always think of them as uh, the kind of European rival to Netflix. And naturally, I kind of want to get behind them and kind of hope that they dominate the European market. Nice kind of homegrown competitor. But it's, it's, it's a weird situation because it is actually owned by a Japanese company, but they have just headquartered it in Spain. And so it looks like they're, they're pretty ambitious. I mean, already available in seven countries and hoping to be present in 10 by the end of the year. So they're starting out obviously with the the bigger markets, I guess, and we'll shift to the smaller ones as time moves on. They have to go up obviously against very tough competition from Amazon and Netflix. And as we mentioned on the earlier edition of the podcast, Netflix will actually be launching in Spain later this month. Yeah, it'll be interesting when they kind of go head to head in that market. I mean, especially as 60% of the kind of user base is already in Spain. So they kind of They've already penetrated that market. So it makes sense for Netflix to come into it. It'll be interesting to see kind of how they do. And actually, in in general, as this kind of competition progresses, because Netflix have, I mean, it's somewhere, I think, between six to nine, 10, maybe European countries that they're present in as well. Obviously, with Wuaki looking to be present in 10 by the end of the year, it's pretty even in terms of the penetration of the European markets. They're really kind of going head to head. No one seems to be kind of pulling away at the moment. I'm not too sure on Netflix numbers, but I would imagine Waki saying 2.5 million clients, but not wanting to specify what client means. I imagine that's just people who have signed up at any point. I doubt that it's active users because, you know, otherwise they would quite clearly comment on it. So, yeah, I think numbers are still pretty small. I'd imagine Netflix would be roughly around the same, perhaps a little more. So it would be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, and I think especially we'll have to pay attention to what happens in Spain as it is where their primary user base is. They do have one great feature, though, which essentially lets VOD customers download content for when they're not connected to the internet. Yeah, this is brilliant. I'm almost surprised that Netflix doesn't have this. I think Amazon does have this. I've used it on Amazon Instant Video before, so I think it is available on Amazon. But for me, this makes perfect sense. I mean, if you are paying for a service, 
what does it matter if you're watching it online or offline? It should have that option on all of these services, in my opinion. I think they will all move to that eventually because it doesn't make sense not to have that content available. I guess in the past, it's the whole kind of illegal downloading or when once you download it, then you have it, so then you wouldn't need to service anymore. So I think people have been kind of wary about that kind of old dynamic which existed but i think as we kind of move away from the kind of downloading and into streaming just as a general kind of practice in these medias then i think this will become kind of more commonplace but i definitely think they kind of have that that's a good usp to have is having that download feature yeah i definitely agree with you on that so now moving on to sony's acquisition of belgian image sensing startup soft kinetic so for anyone who like me had no idea what image sensing technology even was the company has developed something it's called time of flight sensor technology which measures the time it takes for light to leave its source reflect onto an object and return back to the sensor So Sony says that it will use the company's technology for a new generation of image sensors, although the acquisition amount has not been disclosed yet. No, but what was most interesting about this is I always find it interesting to watch how many kind of big companies continue to shop in Europe. So Sony, obviously, in the Asian market, but in Asia and the US, they constantly, we see the world's biggest companies kind of picking up kind of under the radar European startups and companies all of the time. I mean, Facebook do it, Apple do it, Google do it, Microsoft do it, Sony do it. Literally, the world's biggest companies continue to shop in Europe. And quite often, they pick up companies which are below the radar in Europe. So they've clearly got their eyes here. And I think a lot of the time, it's because they can buy companies on the cheap compared to their home markets. But it's always fascinating to see, you know, Sony acquiring a Belgium image sensing startup. It's a cool story. And one, although it would seem uncommon, is actually becoming more commonplace. Yeah, and I think um, actually from Microsoft, because obviously I can kind of speak on their behalf, actually acquired more startups in Europe than in the U.S. in the last two years. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so we are definitely seeing a lot more acquisitions on the continent than before. We actually included Soft Kinetic in a list of the 50 European lean hardware startups to watch, which we published in February 2014. Yeah, we did. And also, Robin mentioned in December 2013, when he pointed out kind of, oh, you know Spotify, but here are another 120 European companies that are kind of good or or ones to watch. In that article, he literally wrote, we've got our eyes squarely on them as someone who may be acquired strategically. So either he was lucky, he's a genius, or he knew something already. But either way, Robin kind of predicted this would happen. So although I was kind of surprised at the news, it, it, perhaps it wasn't that surprising at all. I'm going for lucky. I think Robin was lucky. But we I did point Robin it out in 2013. <laughs> you think Robin's a genius? No, I'm going for lucky. Uh, yeah, but actually there's on that list, there's actually quite a few other terrific startups. So people who haven't checked out the list, I definitely encourage them to do so. A few that I like, obviously from France, we have a few, including WeThings, Sensi, who makes the mother, iSketchNote, which is great tactile technology. Those are from France. In the UK, I love Kano and the little printer. I don't know. What do you think of these? Yeah, no, they're, they're pretty cool. I, I, I picked out a few that I quite like as well. And then I predictably went for some Scandinavian ones. <laughs> so I like Narrative, um, which is like a little life logging camera, which you wear around your neck. Jolla, they're kind of split into hardware and software. They're Finnish. Many people kind of see them as kind of next Nokia, perhaps. Airtame, that's like a wireless HDMI, kind of 
competitor to Chromecast and Blaze from the UK. I like the kind of light on the bike, which improves safety on bikes, which we definitely need in London. And then I think taking us, me and you, outside of our traditional geographies that we <laughs> stick to, there was one that really caught my attention from Slovenia, which is Scanadu. So this is a device that's packed with scanners that allows anyone to take kind of a sophisticated medical or physical exam. For example, you can check your urine at home. The company just raised $35 million for a B round in April. And that was with a lot of Asia-based investors. I found that really interesting. And they had previously made headlines with a huge Indiegogo campaign. So they scored $1.6 million in less than a month. So I think we don't hear a lot about Slovenia-based companies, but this is definitely one to watch. I have to admit my ignorance here. I mean, I'd never heard of them. And they They've scored 35 million, 1.6 million on a crowdfunding campaign. I think it's quite interesting because last week on the podcast when we were talking about crowdfunding, and I just mentioned Airtame then, I was well aware of Airtame kind of, they were one of Europe's kind of biggest successful campaigns and they raised about $1.1 million. And I'd heard of them, but they've scored 1.6 million, raised 35 million in a B round, and I hadn't heard of them. So they're certainly going under the radar. So I think it's uh, really interesting that you pick those out and definitely one to watch that's Scanadu from Slovenia. So yeah, so definitely I think we'll have to keep our eye out on them. Finally, last week was the fifth edition of the Lady Pitch Night, which was organized by Girls in Tech. Obviously, disclaimer, I'm involved in Girls in Tech. This could totally seem like self-promotion, but we thought it would be good to highlight some of the up-and-coming female entrepreneurs in Europe. So this competition is essentially the biggest pan-European competition for female-founded startups. Approximately 300 applicants this year from 28 different countries. So the finalists actually covered a lot of geographies you might not expect as well, a couple that you would. So we had, for example, Power View from the UK, Clustery from France, Mr. Patch from Germany, Gleam from Portugal, Publish Drive from Hungary, Inseli from Latvia, Semu from Estonia, Lilu from Finland, Kid Kidu from Israel, and then the winner was Findify from Sweden. And just to kind of sum up a little bit of what the different trends and activities were, we had some that were in connected fabric, some that were in big data, some in like recruitment technology, a couple that were developing products for kids, one that was helping people with publishing ebooks online, a lot of very different products, only one that touched the fashion space. So we're getting a little bit out of the <laughs> trends and cliches. And Findify, the winner of the event, is an intelligent e-commerce search, essentially like machine learning and big data that will help e-commerce, the search part of e-commerce. So it integrates easily into any e-commerce platform and learns from customer behavior how to make products easier to find and therefore increasing conversion on the sites that they work with. What's also interesting, so this year's winner was Sweden-based, kind of e-commerce, big data. Last year's Lady Pitch Night winner was also a Scandinavian, big data-powered e-commerce solution. It was more oriented towards the retail and the fashion industry, so that was Easy Size from Denmark. Yeah, I actually know uh, Gulnaz, the founder of that. And what's interesting, or at least what's interesting to me, is i kind of sure that she was definitely a worthy winner. I kind of know her and her business a little bit, and they're doing pretty well. But it also shows me kind of, the level of the competition that kind of holds if someone like Easy Size are competing in that. And again, actually, I know I know Findify, or at least I've heard of them. I know a couple of the finalists come across them before. So I definitely think the caliber of the competition is really good. 
And so what's interesting is actually what I discovered, I mean, similar to you, was not only the level of female talent that we have in Europe, but also just how geographically widespread the candidate pool was. I mean, it told me that we really have female entrepreneurs everywhere. So we had applicants from some countries I literally didn't imagine. I would reach out to people and say, hey, look, do you know any entrepreneurs in, in these countries? People were actually based in some of these countries. They say no. And then we ended up getting candidates from there countries like Greece or Hungary. I think definitely it's it's good that we make some of these companies more visible. Definitely. Do you know of any other female kind of focused initiatives in Europe? So Girls in Tech is actually not European. It's originally from San Francisco. But I think one of the big ones that's born in Europe, and a lot of people don't actually know, is Rails Girls, which is from Helsinki. And actually one of the founders, so Linda Liakis, Hopefully I didn't butcher her name. She's now based in the U.S. She's working on writing children's books about coding. A really, really impressive girl. Yeah, definitely. I, I had uh, come across Linda before, and she's kind of really made an impact in that space as well. But what, what are your feelings about, I mean, my feelings change on this regularly. I would consider myself to be a feminist, actually, and someone who is very, very keen on equality and diversity in tech both in gender and in race. But sometimes I feel like these events, when they're focused on, say, female only, or it's about girls, or it's about females, do you ever feel that by doing that, it's it's almost like forced equality? And I sometimes wonder whether forced equality is the answer or the way to go about this. Yeah, I mean... I think you can imagine I've gotten every kind of reaction you can imagine to to girls in tech. And when we reach out to people sometimes to be a speaker, I've gotten reactions from women actually saying, look, I don't want to be a speaker just because I'm a woman. I want to be a speaker because I'm good. And of course, and I think also a lot of the, the, there's so many different kinds of women's initiatives that take a different form. I tend to prefer the ones that are very open to men and encourage men to be involved. I mean, in Girls in Tech, we actually have had guys on the team. So I think we need to be working alongside men. But I do agree that I think it's really about making sure that we recognize people because they're good and not people because of where they come from or what their gender is or whatever. So I definitely have to agree with your point. The other thing to keep in mind is also geographically, there are a lot of differences. And you're right now based in the UK. You were previously in Scandinavia. I think locations where actually the problem is probably less visible. There are some locations in, I want to say, Southern Europe where that's not the case, maybe Eastern Europe as well. So I think that's a good sign, actually, that maybe Western Europe is taking the lead on the issue. Yeah, it's a really, really tricky issue because I think I went to an event in Denmark where there was 30 speakers and all 30 were male. And there was complaints about the fact that all 30 were male. And the organizers kind of defended it and said that, and one of the organizers was female. And they defended it by saying, you know what, these were the 30 people that were the best suited to speak to this event. And they happened to be male. Like, I would rather see more diverse, like, I don't want to see 30 white males speak. I don't want to see that. But at the same time, I understand that argument and what you touched on as well. Whereas it's like, I think the issue is they probably weren't genuinely the 30 best suited. And actually, you just have to kind of widen your horizons a little. But I think that's the tricky part is you do have to choose the best suited people, whether they're male or female. But at the same time, you have to kind of have a balance as well. Yeah, 
And so actually something we did this year to also highlight a very different profile of female entrepreneur was we looked for young speakers. There's not a ton of young girls in tech and a lot of different governments are trying to look at, you know, what they can be doing differently to encourage more young girls to, to go into technical or scientific fields. So we brought out two girls that have been recognized as European Digital Girl of the Year. It's something that's done in collaboration with the European Commission. So we had Olina Sveristatir, so she's 14, she's from Iceland, and Manon van Horbeke, and she's 12, she's from Belgium. They've both learned to code at a very young age. I mean, their stories are, are incredibly inspirational, um, but they're also very entrepreneurial. They're not just learning to code and just leaving it at that. So we have, uh, for example, Manon, who learned to code initially in Belgium with Coder Dojo, Olina, who learned to code from her mom. She likes coding games. I thought, you know, her, her passion when she talks about games, you can just see that she sees it really just like a fun activity that she can do in her spare time. Olina has actually launched a blog called techolina.com. So listeners can go check it out. She interviews some big name women in tech. She said that she's looking at just providing more role models for young girls. And Manon is working on building a girls hacker space in Belgium. So we'll have to keep an eye out on both those projects. Wow, that's incredible. That is literally probably... They're 12 and 14, and they're already kind of doing bigger visionary things than I've ever done. So <laughs> I'm very <laughs> that's impressed. That's what we said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm very, very impressed. But yeah, I think that's about it for this week. So you can follow us on Twitter, find us on Twitter, speak to us on Twitter, at Neil S.W. Murray and at Roxanne Vaza. Un, at tech underscore eu obviously the website is tech.eu we're on itunes we're on soundcloud please give us your feedback we do listen to it and we will be back next week thanks roxanne thanks Neil.